Hello everyone and welcome to Red Risks. Thank you for joining me today. Well, today is Tuesday the 23rd of March and it's exactly a year today that UK went into lockdown. And in memory of the 126,000 people who lost their lives, a candle is lit. So my thoughts, wishes, and everything I can think of that's positive to everybody out there who've had issues and lost loved ones related to this pandemic. Now, before I introduce you to my guest, let me bring on a very good friend of ours from the stream team, Jeanette. Jeanette, how are you today? Hi, Sonny. Good evening, everyone. Hello, the world. How are you keeping, Jeanette? Are you okay? Yes, I'm very, very excited about our guest today, Sonny. Yes, I know. Our guest is, uh, has been on a few of our shows to do it uh, before, and uh, I don't think our guest needs a special introduction, but we have done a special introduction for our guest. So without wasting any more time, let me introduce you to our special guest today, which is Professor Tim Marsh. Tim Marsh was one of the team leaders of the original UK research into behavioural safety in construction in the early 1990s. He is one of only a few chartered psychologists who's also a chartered fellow of IOSH. Tim is considered a world authority on the subject of behavioural safety, safety leadership and organisational culture. He was awarded a President's Commendation in 2008 by the International Institute of Risk and Safety Management and was selected to be their first ever Specialist Fellow in 2010. Tim was also made a Visiting Professor at Plymouth University in 2015. His work with more than 400 major organizations around the world, including Apple, the European Space Agency, the WHO, and the UN. Tim has presented to the European Conference Board and was an expert witness at the Safety, Culture, and Management of Change Expert Forums at the Cullen Inquiry, Ladbrook Grove. Tim is the author of several books, including Organized Wellbeing, Definitive Guide to Behavioral Safety, to name but a few. So without further ado, let's welcome on the show, Professor Tim Marsh. Professor Tim Marsh, how are you today? Good evening, Sonny. Hi, Jeanette. Hi, Tim. Hi. Great to see you. We were saying before you came on the show, I love the uh, the lockdown hairstyle look. It's, it's really fantastic. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it's bohemian, uh, coming across as bohemian rather than like a scarecrow. But uh, I... I I have my doubts, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, um, I, as, as you know, I, I, these are unscripted. I have some questions up my sleeve. But before I even actually bring any questions, I see we've been uh, inundated with some uh, feedback and questions and comments. So I'll tell you what, I'll park my question up for now. Maybe we can take a couple of these things. Uh, perhaps, perhaps we should set the scene and say, why mental health well-being and accidents? What was, what was oh, we that's, that's a simple question to kick off, isn't it? Um, uh, can, can you ask me about my background in, in mental health? Or something? Yeah, um, what's your background well, in mental health? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll answer that one first. Then. Okay, uh, go on. What it's worth, when, when I got my doctorate in uh, psychology, I'm a psychologist first and foremost, and my, my PhD was looking at suicidal behaviour in army recruits. Mm. So my, my first year's work were, were looking at, at that. So... You know the shift in recent times towards well-being, mental health in, in our community, safety community, is a kind of a, a returning to my roots for me. Um, so that's uh, that's why it's of particular interest to me for for what it's worth. Long time now since I, I, I worked actively in it until recently. Mm -hmm. So 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 why? Uh, because I think the they're all completely interlinked. Um, so you know, in, in organised well-being, I. I pushed uh, a holistic model of, of thriving, um, talking about organizational factors, individual factors, and hinterland factors, family, health, uh, hobbies, uh, all, all, all that. Um, and when, when, you, when you look at an individual, what, whether they're thriving or not is, is, is a factor of lots of different things, you know. And I've been researching a thing called Kenevin thinking recently for, for, for the paper, you know, and it talks about we need to understand that people are complex um, and and com complex people make complex mistakes for lots of different reasons. Uh, and one of them is that they're distracted um, because they're thinking of something else, because they're like struggling is a, is a technical term, isn't it? Um, so 
I, I came up with that blue pie model that has been some of my papers that people seem to like. I, I know Janet likes it, and um, which which is it's really a simplification of James Reason's golden rules of human error. Number one, even the best people make mistakes on on their best day because we could only really concentrate for 55 minutes an hour, you know, and, and from good old behavioral safety, what we know from that is telling people to pay full attention at all times um, is, is, has an, a, an, an upper limit. You know, you're much better off saying in the 55 minutes when you're bright and alert, stop and tidy up those housekeeping issues so they're not there to trip over when you come back around the corner 10 minutes from now, you know, away with the fairies. Mm. Um, but for a lot of people, they're not doing 55 minutes an hour. They're doing a lot less that, and their, their horrible slice is, is, is much bigger. That's the um, one of the causes of a big blue pie slice is, is mental health. Mm -hmm. And other <laughs> stuff as well, fatigue yeah. and the most obvious. But, um, but, but mental health certainly chips in. If you're having a bad day, you're looking at 5 o'clock, you, you know, traditionally. You're looking at 5 o'clock. You just want to get to 5 o'clock. And then you get to the gym and beat the hell out of a bag or you'll go to the pub <laughs> and, and, and deal with your stress a, a different way uh, and so on. Well, I mean, we're going to touch on the blue pie and the um, away with the fairies a little bit more. But um, and Jeanette, I know you've got a question, but can I just can I just pitch in some uh, feedback from some of the folks already? Um, Vince is saying, hi, how are you? Just around the corner from me. Yes, Vince, so near and yet so far uh, under the current circumstances. Scott Geller. Hey, Scott, nice to see you with the uh, timing aid. Scott, great. Uh, and Scott says... Can I, can I answer that? Um, yeah. Because, um, because I, I, I'm into bad habits and I'm, and I'm old and I'm finding them difficult to, to get rid of. What um, would you put in kind of accident? Fits, but it's, it's, uh, I'm in my five minutes, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, we'll, we'll put that down to... A little bit of human error then, all right. <laughs> so what about Darren says, hi, good to see some familiar faces. Hi, Jorge uh, is on our stream team. Hello to everyone. I just want to cover these chats that come up because I think they're going to come in thick and fast. Kimona, nice to see you. Thank you. We're all looking good. Uh, now, Graham, how much are organizations jumping on a bandwagon for commercial growth and which sector groups are genuinely engaged from Graham Parker? Ooh, is that for me? Um, I, I don't know. I haven't got a breadth enough of knowledge, like maybe somebody in mind uh, who works on this stuff all day, every day, mm. to to answer the second part of that question. Mm. The first part is, um, I, I think, a bad question, if, if you don't mind me saying so, Graham, uh, because, you know, in the commercial world, pretty much everything that people do is for commercial growth you know we, we know that safety is not their number one priority it should be an equal priority they should be looking to make profit and growth and sustainability uh, and reliability and, and all that as well as not hurting people um so i think uh, actually in in many respects the traction that we're getting for this now um is because we are getting to the ear of the ceo we're getting to the ear of the cfo and, and explaining to them that actually, if you're doing mental health work well, well-being work well, you're having a, a reduction in all sorts of vital KPIs, um, turnover of your best staff, absenteeism, presenteeism, accidents, of course, unplanned incidents, sorry, um, uh, a, a, a reputation in the pub, reputation on social media, mm. all of which are good for business. And I mm. think we need to embrace that. Uh, and, and welcome the fact that they're actually listening to us for once rather than see it uh, in a negative light yeah. for, you know that's uh, that, that's that's my view yeah. view anyway so for example i'm i'm doing some really interesting work with a large insurance company and and they're beginning to now approach their clients and say we know there's a wave of mental health issues coming at post covid uh, and so on uh, we need to get in front of that um, and if you proactively anticipate what's coming and work well, we'll cut your premiums. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's incredibly welcome, mm. frankly. Well, um, Graham will probably chime back on that one. Um, while I'm checking these questions and comments through, Jeanette, feel free to uh, pitch in any thoughts as well, especially probably on that blue pie stuff and off with the fairies, <laughs> I suspect. 
First of all, team, so happy to see you. Really happy to see you, team. And uh, the I think team is reading the comments. <laughs> That's your team five minutes of being zombie mode. Yeah, away with the fairies there, Tim. <laughs> reading the comments. I'm not allowed to read the comments so much. I'm being inappropriately prompted. It's <laughs> <laughs> um, I think my question, I don't know if it's a question, but maybe a statement, and we'll be happy to hear your opinion on that, team. Um, health. Why do we separate it as a mental health? Isn't it like a health? It's a state, it's a, it's a kind of a state of complete and physical and mental and social well-being so can we say that someone is healthy and fit if he's not mentally fit and mentally healthy so mental health isn't it like just health not just mental health and how do you see during covid what is your observation how are we coping with that are we coping with covid um, well, I, I, that's, that's two questions, isn't it? I think the first Sorry. one is, you know, uh, well, that's okay. <laughs> the, two for the, the price first, of one. <laughs> the, the first one is, of course, there, there's an overlap. It's a huge overlap if you're physically healthy. And, and I don't want to get into the philosophy of, of you know, uh, body and soul and all that, but uh, and spirituality and things. But it, it's very, it's, it's not easy to be mentally at your best if you're physically out of the condition and, and vice versa the covid thing i think is really interesting because it's highlighted just how complex everything is you know so i was joking with somebody the, the other day at a similar webinar you know some people love working at home it's just absolutely brilliant for them they're loving it some people hate working from home you know, as, and whether you've got children or not, doesn't, doesn't seem that some people love working at home because they've got children. Some people hate working at home because they've got children. And for some people, it's exactly the same, both of those on the same day, depending, you know. And uh, so it, it, it so depends, doesn't it? You know, and hopefully we'll talk about what makes good work mm -hmm. and how that's a very individual thing mm -hmm. and, and how when when we're looking to see what good work is mm. we need to be really really mindful that it's different things for different people even mm. on the same day mm. well uh two two for the price of one there Jeanette um in fact I, I knew Tim would be so popular because we've got we're being inundated with chats so uh let me just cover a few of these as well uh some of these are comments by the way Tim and there are specific questions as well so Vince is saying Horrendous health and safety record by any measure equals the MHFA person fixes all these days. Okay, I'll go through them. And if you want to pick anything in particular, then we can do so. Uh, Simon, nice to see you. Hi, how are you? Now, here's one from Scott. He says, safety professionals in the US have recently been avoiding the term accident. I've been speaking to Scott about this recently as well, because it implies a chance uncontrollable in event, like when the child had an accident in his pants. Yeah, I mean, we've covered the accident piece and that maybe we could have maybe added another different word or something else on, but um, do you want us to add anything to that uh, comment from Scott, Tim? Not, not really, I, I agree, you know, unplanned incident uh, and other phrases that are, that are more accurate and more helpful. Yeah. Um, I'm just, it's just an old bad habit that I've got, you know. Yeah. Ah, that's all right. These habits are hard to break. Ah, look, uh, Jeanette, welcome everyone. Wow, Jeanette, you look amazing. Well, Tim and I had a conversation about it, and we totally agree. All right. So uh, Graham says, I see more industrial sectors. I see more industrial sectors seeing the benefit, but service sectors are questionable. So that's that's a bit of feedback uh, on your thoughts. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Vince is saying insurers. Yeah, uh, Vince is saying insurers are refusing point blank to cover pre-existing mental ill health problems even from decades ago. That excludes maybe 25% of the working population. Again, yes, it's a, it's a well-known fact. Tim, Tim's saying, have, a, have looked at a number of studies into COVID-19 suicide rates. Counterintuitively, reportedly, suicide rates appear to be no greater than normal datum levels. Any thoughts on data validity? And if true, any thoughts on why? Goodness. Mm. I, hi, Tim, firstly. Um, and and secondly, I hadn't seen that. Uh, thirdly, um, with 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 levels even in the UK, you know, in the UK and, and around the world so high, um, uh, you, you would hope that all this working from home w w would would help for some mm. people. 
mm-hmm. and hinder for others, you know. And and I wondered, and I'm wondering out loud now, if you know, we're talking to Jeanette just just now. For some people, it's helping, and for some people, it's hindering, and it's evening out. Yeah, yeah, that's Maybe. a great question, um, Tim. You know what I mean? said, no, drinking levels are going up around yeah. the world, aren't they? Yeah. And I know yeah. that mental health among young people. Is supposed to, is is going through the roof as well, but they're under particularly specific pressures, aren't they? They're not getting a break from work; they're just thwarted. I mean, I'd like to see more quality data. I think there is some data, but it's still, I think it's still just filtering through. And it'd like it'd be nice to see more qualitative and quality control data. Tim, that's a great question. Um, now we'll take this this point from Simon, and then we'll go back to the topic of mental health, well-being, sorry, accidents, you know, and what's the relationship. Simon says, do you think our starting point of understanding humans is flawed? Our design of controls, et cetera, are incorrectly based on a normative comprehension of human capability. Hmm. Well, it can be, certainly. You know, I, I can give you a, a, a simple example that, that, that always made me smile. Um, we had a, a ladder on an oil rig that was notorious for people slipping on it. They were forever hurting their knees and wrenching their shoulders and so on. And what had happened was somebody had designed the clearance of the ladders. A metal obviously was attached to them. And they, and they designed it to have an inch more than the average foot. Right. <laughs> well, you couldn't move the ladder, which meant anybody with big feet was snagging all the way up. Mm. And, uh, yeah. and, and, you know, you, you'd, you'd hope that we, we, uh, we don't make such simple mistakes as that, but we do all the time, of course. Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised at that because usually they're designed to codes and standards, aren't they? So someone must have gone out of their way to make it slightly different or something. Now, as a while uh, ago, as a while ago, sorry, was so. it all right? Okay, yeah. uh, Tim's saying he'll send you some reports. Now, oh, thanks, Tim. Yeah. Coming back to the topic, mental health, well-being, and accidents, and the blue pie stuff, and away with the fairies. I think you mentioned somewhere that ten minutes out of every hour, we can drift into this fairy mode yeah zombie um, mode call it zombie mode. It zombie. zombie mode yeah <laughs> um, that's team words yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned kenevin now it's interesting because we did three shows with dave snowden on kenevin uh mm. foundations essentials and application we're going to do some more stuff on kenevin the words that come to mind about these discussions about situation awareness and i know you've talked about this in the past as well tell me a little bit about the relationship, um, we're going to stick with the word accidents for now. Okay, Tell me about the relationship between those. Is it the fact that the blue pie, where you talk about the drift into drift into the Netherlands, right, is, is one of the reasons why we could probably be seeing uh, these uh, incidents or uh, causations or whatever? Um, well, if, if, if you mean the, the blue pie is bigger for people who are struggling and distracted, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, uh, the, the, obviously, if, you, if you've got things like schizophrenia, um, you know, PTSD, uh, uh, you know, hormonal driven things, you, you're struggling. But for, for 85 percent of, of, of the population that are struggling with their mental health, it's either depression or anxiety. You know, and they I think they, they, those two issues themselves cost the American economy two trillion dollars a year so it's not small small uh, small beer here small beer, you know yeah. and, and all that depression is is just thinking negative things about the past to a, to a level that's hit critical isn't it because we all have negative thoughts about the past and we all have negative thoughts about the future fears and anxieties and so on and again it's just hitting critical isn't it you know you're just mm-hmm. doing it so often it's an issue as opposed to just part of who you are mm-hmm. um you know, when you're doing that so often it, it's distracting you know, and, and uh, I, I did a, 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 a literature search best I could because it's incredibly difficult to untangle the data. You know, there's, there's confidentiality issues. There's the effect of medication given legally. There's effect of self-medication. And un- unpicking all that is is almost impossible, it seems. But but three things seem to come through as as issues for un- unplanned events, accidents. Uh, the, the, the first one is you, you have less situational awareness. You know, you're, you're, you're distracted. You're just less aware of the risks around you, you know. Uh, the second one is, of course, you might be feeling quite fatalistic, uh, disengaged. And so you have that kind of um, less, less, less care about the risk. You know, you know, we try to make an acronym for this. We call it WWF, which was, you know, what risk, whatever. Uh, and, and the third one, of course, is if you're struggling, you can be angry. You, you, you and, and. Uh, and create risk around you um but the obvious one is by being angry you know you can you can bang into things and 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 rush at stuff 
uh, and so on. But also, of course, and what was really interesting, because the study said, you know, if it's mild, it's 1.5 times or it could be 2.5 times. But half as likely to do something positive, said one study. Uh, they didn't define it very well. But if we think about culture creation, challenging, um, asking the right questions to people, in, in, engaging in, in coaching and positive dialogue, all that culture creation stuff. If you're less likely to do that, you're more likely to create risk around you for, for yourself and for, and for others. And so for those three, three reasons, there seems to be, uh, as I said, very difficult to prove the data, but there does seem to be a link between people who are struggling and bad things happening. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, I mean, thinking out of the box here, one, one would say, well, that's quite intuitive, isn't it? I mean, isn't it quite obvious then that uh, those are the reasons why we have some of the causation principles or, or root causes, whatever you want to call them, for accidents. Uh, sorry, Jeanette, go on. Did you want no, to say no, something? Sorry, I just wanted to talk about, yeah, this root cause analysis and all the environmental conditions, the environment that we're building right now, isn't it like it's okay not to be okay? I mean, talking, speaking up and creating that environment where I think the pie chart, I don't know how many people exactly knows that we're talking about the blue pie uh, of T-Marsh. This is like five minutes or 10 minutes in one hour where just zombie or we do mistakes, we get distracted or we we just fly away with our thoughts. Uh, But the question is talking about the root causes and the holistic approach that teams propose it's about inspiration it's about creating standards it's about learning environment it's about leadership it's about finding the root causes data analysis but tim how do you think it's it's changed and it's been yeah exactly that's so, it tim, uh, i know you're busy drawing away there but i've actually prepared something earlier oh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I, I do my research, Please. Professor Tim, okay? <laughs> so uh, these are the notes that I made. So this is, I don't know if you can see it pretty well, but it's talking about the away with the fairies. So really, it's a slice of the cake, isn't it? That's what it boils down to, which is the yeah. blue bit, the blue pie. Do you want to elaborate on that a bit more? I mean, I don't read my notes. They're just scripted notes of some sort. No, no, and, and there's there's a second one, obviously, which is which is the big, the blue bit is 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 bigger, isn't it? So... So please, 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 ask me, ask me a a, a question. Sorry. (laughs) No, first of all, I just wanted to make sure that our listeners, uh, they do understand about the uh, blue pie thing, because we just jump into the blue pie without telling them about the blue pie. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 yeah, I tried yeah. to do a thing with my hands, if you remember. I was trying to. <laughs> and the second question was, how do you think, is it changed, the proportion of your pie now when we have COVID or it's the same? Do you think the root causes are different or it's too early to talk about that? They're different, certainly, um, but but not necessarily any any bigger. You know, again, we go back to this thing. A, a lot of people like working from home um that it's self-paced it's it's more comfortable it allows for a better work-life balance others hate it um mm-hmm. you know so uh i mean for, for people who are losing their jobs i think money, money worries are, are greater of course and people who are scared that there won't be jobs to go back to that's a different issue entirely but for those who are carrying on working you know so i'm i'm you know i i i, I sit here mostly um and you know i the other day i did a, a conference in india a conference in romania and a conference in paris and was walking my dog by 12 o'clock which is great you know and uh oh, but but boring because i'm yeah. i'm here you know and uh my dog is actually under my desk snoring at the moment All right. <laughs> well, that. That's, must, must have been a good walk uh now uh, he's old yeah yeah Jorge saying, does the mental health does the mental health can reduce the safety culture of work at the point that they may cause an incident? Mm. Well, I, I think yes, sometimes I think you know when we, we describe the three the three causal factors that seem to make yeah. it twice as likely on any given day. Yes. Um, you know, depending. Uh uh yes, of course you can. Um Vince is saying UK twelve thousand lung disease deaths every year, UK seventeen thousand newly diagnosed lung disease every year. It's getting worse. There's 
plausibly easily a million UK workers have new wave silicosis but have no idea what's going on inside their lungs. How does this carnage fit into the work cause mental illness phenomenon? Deep breath there. What does Tim think we might get some proportionality to manage this level of occupational health risk? I read it quickly there, but does that does that uh, does that make sense to you there? Tim? It, 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 it does. Thank, thanks, Vince. Um, how does it fit into the mental health issue? Well, uh, on any given year, it doesn't, I, I guess. You know, it, it's, it's something for, for years later when when the, the symptoms kick in. Uh, in terms of the, the issue, I mean, I'm well aware, you know, I, I, I don't think we've quoted this yet, but for every person we kill in the UK, 35 working age people will kill themselves. Um, but 100 people will die of exposure in, in, in years previous. Um, and it's always worth making that point. Um, and the BOHS uh, do a do sterling work trying to publicise it. But of course, the things that happen now, and it isn't getting better because as we design things out, we design new things in, in terms of pathogens and so on. Um, and and but, but the people making the decisions are either re-elected in five years or long since retired to the golf courses of Spain. And uh, and it's uh, other people who pick up the problem. I, I don't mean to be. I don't mean to be sorry. That's, that's, oh, um, <laughs> I was trying to throw it, but I didn't. I didn't do a very good job. I, I, I thought I put it across the other side of the room, but I hadn't. Um, that was my mum, actually. Uh, yeah. It's it's uh, it's just not good. My my uh, my dad's been in hospital for a while, and uh, oh yeah, sorry to anyway, hear. That. That's, that's, I'm getting off track. Um, so uh, yeah, so you know, we 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 need somehow to get more traction and yeah. and you know more power to the bohs frankly yeah i uh, i am um, like to see laws i mean how do you do these things initially you do it with good laws yeah i you interviewed know. um kelvin williams the president of bohs just recently and he was he was talking on the same lines as well how we need to realize that they exist you know they they they, they actually do exist and they're doing a certain job and they've got certain uh, processes going on so I think he'd be very happy you mentioned that there as well um, Vince's comment saying being preoccupied being preoccupied is the main contributing factor in most everyday knocks bumps bruises tweaks twinges dropsies and ouches absolutely okay. you know I mean I, well, I don't um, know absolutely and, and we're back to our blue pie aren't we you know and it's what contributes to your blue pie on any given on any given day Mm. Yeah. yeah, but it, I mean, say say if I'm doing a job which uh, is a repetitive job, okay, I find I have drift moments because I it's a bit of complacency as well. You know, you've done it so many times. It's as uh, Scott Geller would say, practice makes permanence. You know, you seem to get into the routine of doing it. So I t I tend to have more drift moments when I'm doing jobs that I'm used to as opposed to new jobs. With new jobs, you know, the, the uh, amygdala is a bit more fired up and you're getting more involved. You get the dopamines. Oh, it's all new, shiny, shiny stuff. Maybe people who work in control rooms and those sort of things, because sometimes they're doing these jobs over and over again, you know, press screen, do this, do that. So maybe they have more drift moments then. Could that be one of the reasons why we have some accidents in industry? Sorry, issues in industry where there's deviations because people say, well, human error was involved because we forgot to push the button that says high level or something. Well, you know, and, and they the people, but, you know, economists are, are on this. So, you know, people looking at slides, uh, you know, in hospitals and so on, they deliberately put in non 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 real negatives. Mm -hmm. So the, the scanning doesn't go too far and you, and you do oh, actually right. get, uh, a number through because you know yeah I forget the figure I'm making this up a bit but if one in a hundred is is dangerous you know you and you're doing uh, ten thousand or whatever the figures is you miss two percent but if you only leave the real ones in because you still miss them because you know we're fallible but if you only leave the real ones in the likelihood of missing them if they're only coming up once every two thousand is something like fifty percent or something like that you know so so you you, you put design in I, another example. Um, I worked with a train operating company who decided they'd take on a whole bunch of ex-pilots ex um, because they thought, well, you know, if they can fly a plane, they can, they can drive a train. Because they were terrible because they, it wasn't challenging enough for them and they, and, and they drifted off. <laughs> you know? and, uh, it, it, it's, it's interesting you mentioned Kinevin there because um, that's quite an interesting topic in itself. And one of the things that Dave Snowden might say as well, situation awareness, what do you mean? In what context? Which domain are you in? 
simple, complex, chaotic, you know, confused, etc. I guess when we talk about things you do all the time, and if it's mundane, repetitive, you could push that particular task or activity into a simple domain. It might start off as complex, but it gets simple over time. It, what's your involvement been with the Kinevin then? Have you had a chance to sort of dive in a bit more and open oh, up? Oh, no, 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 just just reading up on it to to understand it, really, for, for right. a paper to um, for, for, for a magazine. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, but I'm, I'm very familiar with, with the, the basic framework. You know, you've got your simple problems, then you've got your complicated problems, which are problems where there's, there is a right answer, but you might not know what it is and you have to get the experts in. And there are complex problems mm. where you don't even know what you don't even know, mm. and where you get a team of people in to yeah. try and, 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 and play with things. But, yeah. you know, um, a, a good example for, from the world of mental health, obviously I try to think of, of the world of mental health is, well, obviously mental health at work is a complex issue, isn't it? Because you've got outside influences about home, about fitness levels, about relationships, about money worries, about my mum. I've just thrown my mum across the room. I'm really sorry, mum. <laughs> I did an hour of need. Oh, God. Um, and, uh, um, and and so on. But, you know, uh, with, with mental health, you know, uh, you know you, you, what you need is emerging best practice, isn't it? You know, um, so there's yeah. best practice for simple problems, a range of best practice for for complicated Correct. problems, right. yeah. but all sorts of stuff going on when it's complex. Yeah. And, and I thought of an example of that. You know, um, sitting in on a training session when we talked about suicidal behavior and the whole issue of, of raising it, um, and an expert from mine said, "No, say it. If you think it, say it. Obviously, don't say it aggressively. Like you're not thinking of killing yourself, are you? Say it kindly and, and with empathy, because two things and only two things can happen." The first one is you might get a response that says, well, no, of course not. Don't be stupid, you know. But the mm -hmm. second one might be actually yes, and you might save somebody's life with it. Uh, and what, 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 what they stressed was you won't make it worse, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and obviously a key key um, key element that can have in thinking when you're probing and you're, and you're experimenting is mm -hmm. to know what you're playing with so you don't make things worse or things yeah. don't get out of control. Yeah. And, and I thought that sort of training about – this is what you do in this circumstance because these things will happen and getting it from a real expert is, is, you know, is, is a, where mental health meets complex thinking, I think. Yeah. The safe to fail experiments. Uh, Darren yeah. Sutton, who you know very well has uh, chimed in with the question. Let's talk about the solutions too. What are a few of Tim's best suggestions to help improve the well-being awareness of our workforce? Uh, okay. Well, obviously there's all the bikes and bananas, Darren, free bananas and, and free gyms. For people who already eat fruit and work out in gyms, so they're not necessarily all that effective. Um, you know, all the sponsored, the sponsored walking stuff works, but I think the core of it is, and, and the the core of the, the the new book is that we've known what makes a good job for for a long time. Yeah, Peter War uh, from Sheffield University wrote his vitamin model uh, a, a long time ago about mental health at work and said, look, there are nine factors. Um, it's a vitamin model because you can have too much of a good thing um, and these need to be tailored. So and the, the obvious ones are things like control and autonomy and, and so on, where some people, you know, are, are quite comfortable being told what to do you know, and they join the police or whatever. You know? mm -hmm. Some people hate being told what to do ever and they end up being self-employed and, and the average person is in the middle you know and the same with other things like uh, skill use you know some people just won't get out of bed unless they can be creative and, and and all the rest of it and others not not too bothered um when we all like interpersonal you know we have different needs for interpersonal skill yeah and interpersonal contact some people like lots of it some people quite solitary but we all want good stuff you know and and Working through that model in a good conversation with a worker, I think, is absolutely key because, you know, I, I, we're seeing we've already talked about this three or four times. I think some people love working from home. Some people hate it. And for some, that's the same, you know, both on the same day. And, and it's talking to people about what really works for them. And there's, there's obviously there's a huge link here with the whole safety differently piece. You know, I want you to be productive and I want you to be enthused about your job. What do you need from me? You know, and I think the, the war framework of, of mental health at work really gives a whole bunch of questions we can ask people about whether what we're asking them to do suits them and gets the best out of them. Mm -hmm. And 
switches their party. So they, they ping off home in a really good mood and all sorts of virtuous circles occur. Mm. They, they pat the dog, you know, <laughs> say hello to everybody, go and play rugby in the back garden with their kids as opposed to go straight down the pub and uh, mm. yeah, turn them to a little bit tired and grumpy. Jeanette, do you have many blue pie moments? I do. <laughs> Sometimes I do, like anyone else, I believe. My question, Tim, is more about, okay, we can fix the problem if we know that there is a problem. Yeah. But how many times, I believe, or maybe how much we are ready to acknowledge and to understand that we do have mental health issues within the work environment because there are still it's a it's some topics are stigmatized it's taboo like men afraid to, to be it's okay not to be okay talks it's about that learning environment safe environment to speak up but how much we are ready for that i mean what covid shows us demonstrates that sometimes even the type of leadership um how uh, what is the environment we have at the workplace sometimes we don't see our workers if they stay at home it's a physical distance social distancing so what tools uh, what systems do we have in place right now to identify maybe recognize that we do have mental health issues one and the second they might be the reason of our incidents and accidents mm. oh, well well how, how do we how do we spot it i know we, we we talk to people um as proactively as we can whether it's with surveys or just one-to-one -one conversations what we don't do and we know this from the world of safety culture is we don't wait for it to become a crisis you know so if that, that french firm was in in the news because people were their, their workers were killing themselves um you know we try and do it more proactively than that um and, and the, the the book that i'm just just uh, will be published soon I've kind of suggested something really simple, actually, uh, you know, on the basis of COVID and, and this whole shift towards we're more comfortable talking than we used to, um, especially as we emerge from COVID, you know, and, and my, my, my simple model in talking safety was introduce yourself, break the ice, uh, get into the why, curious why questions and the anything slow or uncomfortable questions and all those good proactive and analytical questions, then it's some coaching and whatever and close out. Um, and what, I, what I've suggested is I think the core of, of, of the book is to say, when you first ask the question, are you OK, as an icebreaker, you know, good evening, Sonny, good evening, Jeanette, are you OK? You're going to get the answer. I'm fine, thank you. Because right. <laughs> that's that's what we do, especially for men, especially for men my age, from my, mm -hmm. my sort of uh, background, you know, Wales. Um, but more and more, once we go through that conversation, that interaction, that engagement, that working together, building some rapport as you get 10 minutes into the conversation or whatever it, instead of saying thank you goodbye revisit the question and before i go how are you you know really how are you mm -hmm. um and I, and I think um you're much more likely especially in this day and age because of the, the young people coming through are so much more emotionally literate than than we ever were i think and and certainly with this covid piece um, you're much more likely to be comfortable asking that question. If you're a, if you're an old fashioned, good old fashioned supervisor, you're much more likely to be comfortable asking the question as we emerge from COVID. And you're much more likely to have people say, well, actually, now you're asking. <laughs> Not so great, really. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you, Especially you... now when we have that depression with a smile in our faces, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, sometimes it's very difficult to recognize yeah unless we talk unless we create that environment uh, it's okay to talk yeah, yeah. so we're um, talking about visible leadership and and lived experience from the ceo exactly. uh, and the princes you know prince harry and william well prince william now, now he's gone obviously mm -hmm. um and, and 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 all that stuff is mm -hmm. is key isn't it yeah well um just to add a bit of brevity into this conversation malcolm says tim get your hair cut Evening all. Apologies for later. Hi, Jenna and Sunny. Mal, we miss you. Nice Hi, to Mal. see you. The box. Miss you, uh, miss you so much. Miss you as well. and, and Simon says, I wonder if anyone is recording mental health as a causal factor during ah, sorry, accident investigation. I haven't seen it. I wouldn't have thought so, and I wouldn't have thought very accurately even if they did. 
because then then you just put a tag on it then you have to drill down and say well what were the causes etc 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 of that particular uh trigger in effect yeah human failure classification slips yeah. lapses violations how are they going to change after the COVID? i mean and, and, and one thing we one thing we do know from from excellence in safety is the last time the, the last place you want to start analyzing what went wrong is when it's gone wrong yeah, you know um, what you want to do is you want to predict that it's likely to go wrong, nice and proactively. When there are weak, and we're back to Kevin again, aren't we? When there are weak signals, but really visible signals, if you know what you're looking for. Yeah, um, and and drilling down, you want that conversation to be hypothetical and proactive. You know, so um, you're talking so about. Sorry, Tim. If you talk about leading and lagging indicators, which is that sort of a conversation, what do yeah. what can you think of an for an organisation as leading indicators? When it comes to mental health and uh, and well being and so on, what 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 should they be doing to have on their dashboard something related to that as a KPI, as a leading indicator, to be proactive? That, that's that's a that's a good question to which I don't really have. A, a, I mean, a, you know, a good answer about measurement. You know, I mean, obviously. You know, we've got scales that we that we use for organisations looking at well-being. How engaged are you? How energised are you? How much trust do you have? Um, having and so on and so forth, all of which are byproducts. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't think I'd be comfortable asking somebody how depressed are you. <laughs> Although there are, there yeah. are scales and some some there are scales of depression and anxiety that some companies use. But uh, yeah, what? what? What flashed through my mind as you were talking there was if, if we had to have an indicator, we did an interview last week with Larry Sen, where he talks about the mood elevator. Maybe what we should do is have a mood elevator and people have it on their desk or something. So well, my mood is down here. I'm somewhere in the middle or I'm up here. Something that gives a signal, a weak, whatever type of signals. That, I mean, uh, that might be, oh, we've got quite a lot of questions. I'll shut up, actually. I could go on about that. Um, but. I there, think there, there, is, there is one, Sonny. I, I mm. did a show the other day with a guy. I, oh, I can't remember his name. He's, he's all over the place with mental health. He had a breakdown and he talks very eloquently about it. The guy with the Mohican. Oh, uh, yes, yes, oh, yes. I know one. Yeah, yeah. But he's, um, he's, got a, he's got his buttons, isn't he? Like at an airport. Form score. Yeah, it's called uh, I think so. Score. And he yeah. presses his buttons. Yeah. You know, so he'd suggest that we all have a button and we all press it every day, you know, whether it's a big smiley face or a frowny face yeah. and, and all points in between. Yeah, that's very similar to the mood elevator. So you press a button, you show where you're on the lift. Let's cover yeah. some of these questions that are coming. Otherwise, I'd be doing a bad job. So uh, Mal says, uh, I agree with the point men being macho and not showing the soft side, thus hiding underlying issues, mental issues. Can I just say on that point, actually, Mal, Mal's in the same group as I am, which is something that Jimmy Quinn set up, is to do with the veterans um, and the uh, armed forces. I'm humbled by the fact that I put a, a poll out saying, you know, which one of these do you want to talk about if we're going to do event? Uh, and that group started, I think, a week ago, and they've already got like 400 people who've subscribed to it. And the top, the top item, voted in that poll was mental health right so these are these are guys who've seen the wars they've been in the trenches they've done all that they they know all about you know hardcore stuff and they say look i want to talk about mental health so maybe you know things are changing we're becoming more of an open book vince has written a very long comment on a question but uh let's cover that has the HS profession failed in its mission? The world is getting markedly worse, according to ILO. Surely it's now the turn of organizational psychologists to have a go. WEF Davos 2021 didn't mention the annual slaughter and carnage of working people. Deloitte Fortune survey 98% global CEOs prioritize mental health, well being, debt workers not mentioned. Yeah, I mean, this is something that Vince does uh, bring up quite often. I think he's got a very valid point. Maybe the more we talk about it, the more we bring it to the surface. Tim, what's your thoughts? Uh, well, I, you know, he's, he's talking worldwide, isn't he? And know some countries uh, are appalling in the way they treat their workers without their name, naming names. And, uh, you know, uh, as, as quite a few of us, I imagine, who are on this call, who, if we were given executive power, we'd sort it out tomorrow. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. We're not, we're, not, we're not getting it. So yeah, and Mal's come on with the same comment about how do you measure mental health? Maybe we should try and answer that in one of the questions in the future as well, because I think so there, there are scales. There, yeah. there are scales. You, you, I, I do. You, yeah, 
I do like the mood elevator, not just because we interviewed Larry Sen, but I thought it was so easy. I do use it now and then, you know, my, my family have started to use it as well. Uh, as it goes back, uh, Jeanette, please chime in while I check these questions. Um, yeah, I'm just, I still think about that question, how do we measure mental health? And there are some uh, scales also developed by Yale University and some of them that I covered recently because I'm doing the mental health and well-being at the Yale University at the, currently. But the question is, aren't we a little bit ahead of the game telling how to measure things if we don't know what to measure yet? I mean, my thought on that, and I like that Tim's approach on that in general to health and safety, when he talks about holistic approach to health and safety, isn't it like now it's time to think how well we're trying to embed and integrate mental health in general within our safety culture and health and safety. For example, when we do risk assessment, we do include mental health as one of the reasons. When we do root cause analysis, we talk about mental health. When we do safety walk, we do talk about mental health. Isn't it like a standalone topic, but trying to... Yeah, uh, I, I, actually, yeah. Jenna, I, I, I do have, I have an answer. You know, I think it's a lot like behavioral safety. Um, you know, good measurement is, exactly. is great. If, mm -hmm. gets done, if you can measure it, you can manage it. You Good. I think the best elements of behavioural safety haven't got any measurement in them at all. Uh, and I suspect the same will be true of mental health management, you know, because uh, the, the strategy that when I when I talk to, to boards, you know, I show that famous cartoon of, of the, the people who are, you know, are depressed and the people who are anxious and in the middle, people who are at peace and say what we need is, is you know, less of this and, and more of this. And the whole thing about being in the moment, mindfulness and so on. Um, and so really, organisations need to do two things, I think, as, as, as an overarching strategy. The first one is to have people out there who spot that individuals are drifting towards critical, either depression or anxiety. And obviously, they inter interact. You know, uh, mental health first aiders can, can play a good, good role there. Uh, really switched on, emotionally intelligent, frontline supervisors even better, colleagues and trim and, and all the stuff from, from the forces, you know, your mates basically, and all that, it's okay to not be okay, and your mates noticing that you're talkative when you're normally quiet, or quiet when you're normally talkative, and, and all those videos you've seen about black dogs and so on. Mm -hmm. But the second thing, uh, and I, I think the thing we can really do proactively, is to try and attract people into the middle by the benefits of a good job. You know, we know from studies that good work is good for you. If you have a job you really love or at least get a certain level of enjoyment and relish out of, you're mentally healthier than somebody who doesn't need to work at all. Because hmm. the, the opposite is true. So what we need to do as organizations is actually create a culture that's caring, supportive, energizing, empowering, you know, about safety, about mental health, about anything really, that sends you home just a little bit more perky than when you arrived. It's interesting. I've done I've done so many of these shows, and Jeanette knows exactly what I'm going to say now. I've done so many of these shows, and it always comes back to a book that I read at the beginning of the year by Daniel Coyle called The Culture Code, where he talks about the belonging cues. You know, the more we are treated as a part of a belonging, as a as a collective, the better we're going to be in terms of you know, being safe, being protected and all the other things. So look, um, uh, I've, got, I've got to come clean here, Tim. Uh, there's a message come through, which I have to pop up on the screen, okay? Scott Keller says, Tim's hairstyle is fantastic, like a rock and roll star in the US. I am actually jealous. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I, uh, at, uh, uh, Scott, the nearest I'll ever come to being a rock and roll star, apart from the one who lives next door, actually, um, <laughs> is that... Uh, is, is that John Entwistle's father, Bert, was a really good friend of my grandfather. You'll have to elaborate on that, because Scott probably won't know what the hell you're talking it, about. John Entwistle was in The Who. Oh, Scott okay. That's well, my stupidity, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Simon says, asking how you're feeling will often get a different response than how you are. I do agree. And, of course, you know, you've got to go a little yeah. bit careful with these questions. You can't just go into a supermarket and say to the first person, oh, you look a bit miserable. How are you today? <laughs> yeah well I, I think we've said context is king a few times on these shows so. <laughs> <laughs> um says great resource have a look at the psych health and safety podcast with jason van she and jolie mitchell joelle mitchell there are 20 episodes with some of the best organization psychologists around the world i suspect you're on there as well uh mal says 
they have those mood elevators at airports which ask you for your feedback and how you were treated going through security they do actually i've seen them the smiley faces you know um and i think yeah we could probably expand on that with a mood elevator and uh get larry back on the show maybe and see how we can apply it with them. maybe get you and larry on the show and see how we can apply it uh, to me you're up for it uh tim ingram have seen fatigue used as a proxy for mood stroke depression level not entirely accurate but some managers and sufferers appear to be comfortable in approaching the off taboo subject from this direction before moving into detail mm. tim what do you think i well i i agree you know and, and again you know um when we're trying to take a holistic approach to to the individual and how much they're thriving, and I've said, and I, I keep talking about my bloody pies, I know, but you know, uh, one of the factors, on <laughs> yeah, is is fatigue. Could be mental health, could be fatigue, could be the fact that your boss is an idiot and you hate them, and every time you go anywhere near them, you're just drained of all energy. It could be that you've been given ridiculously difficult and conflicting tasks. Um, it could be that you're on medication, etc., etc., etc. It doesn't matter. But what you're trying to do is to understand why you've got a problem and and have it you know the famous step change you know if you just have it that that gets us going in the right direction at least hey jeanette good friend of yours basha yeah. hi basha <laughs> mental health is just an element of health as a whole even according to the who definition that includes social health Basha's late. She says, sorry, I missed the beginning. Great topic today. These topics are always uh, interesting because I think we're all going through this process of maybe finding a belonging or maybe just discovering new things and maybe discovering what our wife is looking like now after X weeks and months and years away from jobs and so on. So, Tim, I mean, in terms of things going forward, where do you see us going forward? Where's your, what's your crystal ball telling us in terms of how we're going to address this? I know it's putting you on the spot. Give, give us your uh, thoughts. Well, in the UK, uh, you know, well, start um, in the UK, and then we can expand it a bit further. See, you know, whatever you feel comfortable with. Right. I, well, in the in the UK, you know, obviously before COVID, we were moving in this direction. You know, there was an awful lot of really good work being done. Uh, a lot of it in UK construction it seemed like a lot of ex rugby league players working in this field. Um, you know, Martin Coyd is, is the obvious uh, example there. Uh, we're doing lots of really good work in UK construction in the London area. And this this whole, you know, ex-rugby league players talking about breakdowns and, and, and so on. We, we were definitely in the right direction already before COVID. Uh, and, and I think that will continue. Uh, I think it's got too much traction now to, to, to stop. And... You know where, where we where we came in. I think an awful lot of organisations are realising that if they don't manage it and manage it well, regardless of whether they're encouraged to by things like insurance companies, they're going to have a, a resilience and a sustainability problem, um, and it'll be the CFO driving it for for commercial reasons. You know, we we discussed this at the beginning, um, and so it's it, you know it, it's really interesting that the phone call from the insurance company I'm working with came in just before COVID. But you know, I, I, it, it's uh, just, just just before COVID, really. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, well, it was going in that direction, wasn't it? You know, we were all beginning to really understand that it was well-being. You know, I think I just changed the name of their magazine to the Health and Well-Being magazine as well. Huh? You know, we, we were already heading in this direction, um, and and when we come out of COVID, I'm I'm hoping that it'll give it extra impetus. It's mm. difficult to know, though, of course, isn't it? You know, because. Bean counters do all sorts of peculiar things uh, if they think it suits the short term. So um, I, I, I live in hope. Hmm. We've, got, we've got a good um, question coming from Vince, but before I jump to that, because it's quite a long uh, bit of text there. Jeanette, any thoughts from you at this stage on uh, some of the stuff that Tim said? Any particular points? Uh, no, just thinking about what Tim is saying and um, thinking all the time that um, COVID is going to show us, and maybe it's an opportunity for us. Thanks to COVID, we will be able to integrate mental health into our daily. Because mm. at the end of the day, health isn't it about what we think, feel, act. But today, we also talk about how well we're coping uh, with those, with all yeah. those difficulties and problems. And maybe COVID, and I agree with Tim, is an opportunity for us to speak up and talk and take it seriously and proactively. Mm -hmm. And um, 
let's take that Vince question because I'm excited. <laughs> okay, Vince is saying, how do we stop employees missing out all the competent risk assessment activities for psychological health and safety and jumping straight to the MHFA two-day training and the free fruit bowl snake oil, snake oil and BSLs? It will kill people and it seems the dominant narrative. Mm. How do we stop people doing mental health first aiders as a catch-all? Mm. Um, well, we, we're talking about it by by them them getting the message that actually the benefits of addressing their mental health well uh, don't just impact on people going home with a smile, but all the other KPIs they're really interested in, like turnover of their best staff, presenteeism, absenteeism, reputation, productivity, and all the other stuff that they're definitely interested in. Um, and, and it's just getting that message out there, isn't it? Because mm -hmm. you know, and I agree. I, I see, I see Vince's cynicism there, and and you see it. You know, uh, we we don't have to worry about mental health. We just trained twenty mental health first aiders. Well, yeah, you know, and, uh, and I, 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 I like the old joke. You know that uh, Chris Chairman, yeah. uh, colleague of mine, says. You know, and uh, we we talked about. So my, I I did a day once in Lowndes Steelworks in the late seventies. You know, and I want to say, you imagine that my mum drops me off. And uh, and they say, Mrs. Marston, no, don't worry, because the uh, same mum actually, um, <laughs> uh, because you know there's hot metal flying everywhere. There were forklift trucks hammering up and down and regulating. We've got a terrible toxic bullying culture and toxic fumes everywhere. But don't worry about Tim, because there were six highly skilled first aiders out there. <laughs> we looked after it. You know? and, uh, I, I don't think she should have been reassured by that, and and nor should we when people say that we've got mental health first aiders. Uh, so, so everything's covered. I think yeah. the key piece is that understanding that you create an environment that good work is good for you. You know, yeah. you only have to see the suicide figures of people who love their jobs. You know, if you if you if you're in the army and you stay, you tend to really like being in the army. So we don't have suicidal problems with army people. We have ex-soldiers. Same with cricketers, footballers. You know, other a lot. There are lots of vocations where being an ex one is the problem, mm. not being an actual one. And um, and, and you know, there, there is. I, I've got a reworking of Reason's Cheese model where I've tried to put a, a blank cheese in the middle, and say this is what you get if you've got good work is good for you. Yes, you might have health issues, you might have relationship issues, you might have money worries, which is kind of overlap. But you, you know what I mean, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But if you've got the benefit of a really good job that you enjoy. It doesn't have help, and, and it, it can actually be the blank cheese in the chain, I think. Mm -hmm. And, and all organisations, if they could just get their head around that, that that's actually a win-win for their workers and their sustainability, um, we, we can go forward, I think. Well, you know, topics like this are always highly engaging, and we've certainly discovered that with the chats uh, on, on the live panel here. Um, and we've actually cranked up 59 minutes here so time has flown by but before we uh close off let's just grab a few more of these because uh if people are busy typing we should try and address them as well so mal says tim mental health issues have been around for a long while and this has definitely been the case in the military with respect to post-traumatic stress disorder and veterans now post-covid this will be the number one issue for time lost at work oh yes i can see that iceberg already uh x Defil the factor. So, um, well, you know, there's all sorts of really interesting studies. I'm sure Malcolm's familiar that that most people off work with bad backs are actually off work with mental health stre with stress. What they call stress, you know, um, and mental health issues. It's just much more socially acceptable to say I've got a bad back because mm -hmm. people with people who enjoy their job, people who relish their job, they're at work with a bad back doing stretching exercises. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to pause while I've got a question brewing in my head, but I just want to let Jeanette. So Jeanette, do you have any thoughts, uh, any further questions for uh, Tim before we sort of finalise for the day and uh, have let Tim have some words as well? Uh, my just last word. First of all, I'm so happy to see you, Tim. Thank you so much for coming and talking about mental health and in general about your approach. Thank you so much. I just want to say that talking about mental health having those conversations might help and that it's about talking that we're not alone if you need help anyone just speak up 
there is a help just around the corner and it's okay not to feel okay and uh, let's just talk about this let's try to improve and develop that learning environment where mental health issues just become one of the elements of our health and safety management systems yeah absolutely thank you tim thanks uh, tim any 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 closing thoughts from yourself before i sort of wrap up with the outro I thought Jeanette put it perfectly, actually. <laughs> so just, I've had more than enough opportunity to wrap it on, so I'll, I'll leave it there. I think. I think it's always a pleasure to listen to you, uh, Tim. Uh, we've had you on several shows in the past, and we sort of, uh, well, whatever happened last year was a great opportunity to do these live events. And I'm really, really encouraged and pleased that people are chatting to each other as well and engaging in discussions. Because remember, it's not just about asking Tim questions. It's also about chatting to yourself and uh, well, increasing your network as well and getting to know the folks out there. From my side, I just want to say, Tim Marsh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. And Jeanette, thank you for supporting me in this uh, in this process today. My closing thoughts are along the lines of an advert that happened in the UK a while ago with Bob Bob Hoskins. I think it was for uh, the telecoms or something, wasn't it? Where he says, it's good to talk. And I think that's what it's down to. Remember, today is a year on from when we started lockdown in the UK. 126,000 people lost their lives. It's a great opportunity, closing thoughts for me, to just reach out and see if someone out there does need to talk because we are living in bubbles, but there's always telephones, mobiles, et cetera, and all those things. Reach out, touch, have a conversation just to see how folks are. Uh, Angela says, thank you very much. And we were useful, I think so too. Professor Tim Marsh. Thank you very much for being on the show today and uh, hope you stay on while we do the outros. We'll have a catch up afterwards. And uh, Jeanette, thank you as always. And uh, speak to thank you all you soon. All right. yeah, thank you. Catch up with you in a bit. Thanks. Bye, everyone. See, see you soon. Bye for now. Thank you so much for stopping by and watching that live event. If you want to be notified of future live events, head over to our website. There's a form on there. Hit the subscribe button and I'll update you whenever live events come up. I promise you, no spam. And finally, we do have a YouTube channel. It's just simply Red Risks. Please subscribe and help us. Let's connect, share and learn. Thanks. Catch you on the next live event.